another edition of the Grazing Sheep Podcast. I'm your host, Big Tom Perkins, along with Dr. Cameron Meyerly. And uh, we're kind of coming up on some of the end of our breeding season. And we were talking earlier and just kind of wondering what different people do to find out whether you use or bred or not. Yeah, and certainly I think it comes from doing a, a year in that sheep cycle. Yeah. Coming off of that topic, we didn't really talk about checking for pregnancy. And I think that's one of the the biggest areas or time points that we can make some of those calling decisions because I, I don't know about you, Tom, but I don't like to feed open ewes that aren't going to generate anything the following year. Especially so, in especially in the winter months. Yeah, especially in the winter months. I where we're located at, Ohio, Pennsylvania, those are some of the I'd say most expensive months to uh, from a feed resource standpoint. You know, we're providing hay, we run out of stockpile, uh, we're providing maybe even some some protein supplementation, some energy supplementation via concentrates, some grains. Uh, so it is it it gets pricey pretty quick. And so I don't mind spending that money, but I want to make sure the use that we're investing in are going to return some of that investment back or hopefully in excess of that investment back the following spring. So have you found anything that that's kind of fits your operation and, and kind of give us a timeline of what you're looking at doing? Well, we started pulling blood Hello, that was two years or three. I think it was three years ago we started this. A uh, guy by the name of Dr. Cameron Meyerly came to our farm and showed us how to do this. And um, so he, he showed CJ and I how to do this. So I kind of watched. I've never actually done it. CJ's gotten really good at it. <laughs> so I'm using the guy holding sheep and writing the numbers down and all that fun stuff. But um, so the, the company we use, it's a... Uh, was it? It's a prion test. Is that right? Yeah. So it's Bioprint. Bioprint it would be the, okay. the trade name, and uh, I believe the the way that system works is uh, they have, I, I guess you'd say, subcontracted individuals or uh, you know certain labs that are regional, and uh, this is kind of where we got started is there's a, a gentleman at Tumbling Bee Cattle Company that is a bioprint rep, I guess, I guess you'd say. I'm not sure what the what the technical uh, relationship is there, but you know, they're running those. Uh, Eliza's there on that, uh, on that farm. And so it was only you know, 15, 20 minutes away from the home farm. Uh, and so that that made a lot of sense for us. But yeah, it's a bioprint is the is the trade name for it. And then they're they're testing for a protein that's in that. I believe so. That shows up, that shows up in pregnant use. Correct. Yeah. yeah so. And that in the the timeline on that is thirty days. Thirty days. Yeah. Post, so we. Post. So we'll, put, we'll put rams in. So in this particular group, we put the rams in. We let them cycle for 17 days. We pulled the rams out. 
Then uh, we waited 30 days from that 17th day. And it we did it on a Saturday, which is the easiest for us to do because the sheep were, you know, out. Um, we get those all corralled up, pull blood on all those. Um, you have to write down the test tube number and the uh, ear tag number of that U. And we do that on those little you know, labels that you can get from Avery, and then we just put that on the test tube. It's so much easier than trying to write on the test tube itself. And uh, then we box all that up. We, I just put those in the refrigerator for the weekend. I box those all up and mail them out on Monday morning. And Wednesday evening, yeah, Wednesday evening, I got the results back. They emailed them back to me. And out of 63 use, we had one that was open, and three that they thought should be rechecked. They're right in the right in the gray area where they're not. It might be bred, might not be bred. To my guess is they were probably bred on that day seventeen, and it wasn't quite uh, as good as we'd like to see it. So what we do with those is uh, that you that's open, she'll go in this next group that's getting ready to be bred. Uh, we're gonna put Rams in with this next group on Saturday. Um, and then the three that they called to have rechecked, um, we'll just put those in with rams, and the rams will have marking harnesses on them. Then we can see if they get marked. If they get marked, then we'll figure they were open. If uh, if not, then uh, we're gonna call them bread. Yeah, and I think one of the the convenience aspects of that is it's on your own timeline. And I've never had a situation, I usually check ahead before I send samples in to make sure they're they're testing on a normal schedule. And I believe that lab was testing you know, two times a week and have never had a situation where they say, oh, we've got too many samples coming in. Can you wait a couple weeks? Uh, because that, it, it is somewhat time sensitive, meaning in your situation, Tom, if I can test it after that 30 days, but say before 45 days, it gives me a chance to get those use, possibly those open use flushed and put into that later group yep. with with your U lambs, as you, you just mentioned. So I, to me, the convenience aspect of it is, is huge. Uh, I think the other nice thing about it is it's relatively inexpensive. So I believe those, the testing per sample uh, in that specific lab was 250. Is that correct? I think they've moved it up to 285. Okay. Okay. Yeah, inflation. And then, you know, you have a cost with the blood tubes. Um, and I, what size blood tubes have you found work the best uh, where you're pulling blood? We we ended up settling on the, was it, uh, seven milliliter. Um, the only reason we went with a seven milliliter because there was a time we could not get the five. Okay. We couldn't get the five milliliter. Everybody was sold out. So we just bought a whole bunch of sevens, and that's what we've been using. And that's the uh, red top tubes. Yeah, that's a good point. I <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what the other are. I really don't know. But I know there's 
know, there's different reasons to have different tubes, but we use the red top tubes. And then we just, uh, I took those to town and just mailed them through the post office and uh, 63 tubes and the packing and all that, you know, it doesn't take a very big box. Um, I think that was like $9 and 50 cents to ship it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't like you were overnighting it. That might be $50. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, not everybody's listening in, in central Ohio, western Pennsylvania. There's quite a few of those labs around because it's not just a sheep and goat service. Yeah. You know, it's a, a cattle service as well. Uh, and that's, I know the dairy industry taps in pretty heavily into mm-hmm. so this technology. Um and so that's that's where we can we can kind of piggyback off of those labs that are catering to some other industries. Uh, I, I did look up just here briefly because I wasn't sure where they were at, but you're, we're looking at about thirty cents per blood tube. Okay. And so all in all, we'd say probably thirty-five, depending on the number of samples we're sending, what that shipping works out to. Um, not 35, but $3 and 50 cents, yeah. you know, it could be a safe kind of evaluation, uh, in there. And I, I just know that when we had sought out, uh, somebody to do some ultrasounding, first of all, the timeline aspect was very difficult. Uh, and, and we did not have access to a veterinarian that, um, you know, was comfortable using for what we were going to pay uh, on a per you basis we used to when we we were running the weather type sheep uh they a lady came out of i believe massachusetts and uh, i was told she would go as far as illinois and just you know drive on through and you paid on a minimum you know fifty dollars a head and at that time it was like two dollars a sheep to ultrasound yeah, and then, you know, she had the whole, the goggles, the the backpack, ultrasound. I mean, very efficient at at what she did, and didn't have too many complaints uh, for the amount of the amount of time spent per you, which was not a lot, uh, which was how she made her money. She could she could test, you know, how many use a minute uh, if the setup was was designed properly. Yeah. And we had a couple instances where some ewes were supposed to have singles and then had triplets and you know, vice versa, where they had um, supposed to have twins, but they had a single. And I, you don't get too caught up on that. It's mostly a, a bred open situation. In those opens, we made sure we then blood tested after, after the fact. Uh, just to be on the on the safe side. Yeah. Yeah. But at that price, you know, I was willing. I was willing to give up some accuracy, I guess. Yeah, I was okay if the fetal counts weren't weren't exactly spot on every single time. And I think if I had to pay five dollars a head now, uh, which was a quote that I had re- received the other day, uh, I'd be a little picky on on what my results looked like you know they're we're paying more for a service and so i expect you know a, a greater 
level of service, but do you have anything in, in your area where, or anybody that's willing to go out and ultrasound? We haven't found anybody. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't, you know, there may be somebody who lives two miles away from me and does this, you know, for a living. And I've just never heard of them. And this is ultrasound for pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't found anybody. Um, you know, if somebody out there knows of somebody that, that comes to Western Pennsylvania, please, you know, hit me up and let me know. Um, I, I think we like to do it. It's, uh, it's it can be a bit of a nerve wracking guessing game as to whether or not you know something's going to happen. But I know with that you have to be don't you have to be in that forty five day range to scan. So ideally, it's a good point to bring up. Ideally, we want to be in that forty five to sixty day post breeding window, yeah. and that's that's mostly for the fetal count aspect of it. Okay. We can do it later than that and you know bread not bread situation but it's difficult as those lambs get larger and start to kind of shift on top of each other uh, it's difficult to to see the differences in in skeletal formation and uh, two independent lambs in there or even three so that 45 to 60 tends to be the sweet spot for the the fetal counts. And that's, we should mention that's abdominal, abdominal probe, uh, yeah. ultrasounding. If we have a rectal probe, we can get in at about 30 days with, with some high degree of, of accuracy. Okay. Uh, and it really just comes down to who's doing the, the ultrasounding. Uh, I will say if anybody's interested and just has a, has an ultrasound sitting around that they're they're not using. I believe it's Texas A and M that's doing a, a ultrasound, a pregnancy ultrasound workshop this fall yeah. uh, or winter time frame uh, to get some training out there. So maybe maybe you'll get lucky and some Western PA producers are on their way down to Texas to learn a bunch and you come yeah. back and. Ultrasound your sheep. And I think the biggest problem, though, is you know, I kind of joke saying you have one sitting around. I know the the machine that we were using at, at WVU was twenty five grand in that ballpark twenty to twenty five thousand uh, dollars for, and it just looks like a thick laptop, uh, and that was for the the machine and then also the probe that you know, to do that ultrasounding with. Uh, so to get into it, and there are some some less expensive models out there, but to get into it, it's it's pricey if you're just doing it for yourself. Or um, I do think, as you had mentioned, there's, there's opportunity to go out if you know what you're doing, to go well, out and make I've, money. I've seen lots of people that are buying these, I don't know, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 units. And um, it's my understanding that the, the downside of those are the probes just aren't near as good. The optics aren't near mm -hmm. as good. Um, you know, the screen you're looking at. And there is a, a pretty decent learning curve there to be able to, to decipher what you're looking at. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why those, those that's why you get into those twenty five thousand dollar machines. Yes. And you're also talking university yeah. funds and uh that would be I don't want to say the the gold standard because I don't I don't know that much about all the options that are out there, but if you go to your to your vet who's doing this on a regular basis, it would have been the same model. Yeah. You know, that because we were utilizing that machine primarily for the the carcass evaluation side of things. Yeah. And so clarity of that picture and strength of that machine actually matters when mm-hmm. we're looking at at some of those items. So it was a it was for research. And yeah. if you don't have something that's going to collect data that is usable, then it's worthless, even if, even if it's only $2,000. And I'm sure there are cheaper options out there. It's just, again, how, how much of it is for the amateur user. Yeah. You know, the, the amateur handler with that. Uh, and then longevity, you know, and, and yeah, even say like, the customer support aspect of it, yeah. something goes wrong and it's a Chinese company selling $2,000 ultrasounds, but you're probably out another $2,000. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much why we chose to go the, you know, the blood route. We certainly couldn't afford to buy a decent machine. You know, you couldn't, even if you had the money, it would be pretty hard to justify it unless you, you're going to go out and do a bunch of other sheep. You know, other than your own place, because you got to find right. a way to pay for that somehow. Yeah. But at this point in our operation, you just feel like we need to know: Are you pregnant or are you not pregnant? Not how pregnant are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> <That's You're> right. <laughs> we see you know if you are or if you aren't. Yeah, and your your breeding windows are short though. So yeah, you know- say that that first round, you know, we just only did one cycle. Right. Um, I think on that report, it basically said we were 90, 94% bred, 93.5 or something like that percent bred. We thought that was pretty good. So that lambing window should just be right at 17 days. So that could go pretty fast. It'll still seem like a month and a half, but <laughs> but it'll go pretty fast. And uh, But we want that to be a short window because... Those ewes only have about a month and a half to be in the barn, and then they've got to go out so the next group can come in. Right. So we, we want to get through that pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that it's it's common practice for you know county extension agent to run around and and show producers how to bleed their own animals, but it was something that you had an interest in. We had talked. This was early on, you know, yeah. meeting you. you had talked about – you know, testing for pregnancy and and the blood drawing blood discussion came up and it was kind of a, a situation of well I'd be interested I just don't know how to do it and uh, you know coming you know fresh off of a projects where we were uh, bleeding sheep all the time it's not a I think a lot of times as producers we hear these things or or these these procedures that we think are very complicated. I mean, it was two sheep in that I bled and then I held the rest of the time. All all it is, is showing the producer 
this is where you need to look and put your put some pressure, you know, on this this blood vessel here and uh, extract you know the quantity of blood that you you need. And yeah, you know, I, I think the, out of those sixty three, we had two that we had trouble getting blood out of them. One, she just wasn't being cooperative. And uh, CJ would find the vein, get ready to stick her, and then she would just start jumping around and lose the vein again. Right. And, um, and the second one that we had trouble with, um, we just couldn't get blood to come out of her. I kept telling CJ, I know there's blood in there. <laughs> so right. Has to be blood in there. And we don't know what the deal was. And then just all of a sudden, bam, it just filled the tube right up. Yeah, after the normal too, and it was like, man, I don't know what was going on there, but we just had trouble with her. And um, the sheep do not thrash around because it hurts; they're just, you know, this one particular ewe, she's just flighty, right? Yeah, it's yeah. more so that you've caught her and you're yeah. restraining her to yeah. to draw that blood. Yeah, um, he was he would stand still for about thirty seconds and then decide she was going to thrash around again. Right. It didn't matter, you know, several times CJ had to change the blood tube because we already broke the vacuum seal in it. And I'd be sitting there holding her, and all of a sudden she'd just start thrashing again. And, you know, I'd be like, just calm down. Nothing's happening yet. Yeah. But, and if you think if you think that's painful, uh, give a shot of oxytetracycline, you know, some LA200, and then, then we can have a discussion on which one hurts worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they're, you want to talk about thrashing. I mean, yeah. It, it must burn like, like the Dickens, but yeah. yeah and that's it. I'm to the point now and we haven't, we didn't blood test anything last year. I don't believe I just went off of breeding marks and then remarks. Uh, and then I, I think I'd say I'm pretty confident. I'm to the point that I can blood test faster than, than the average ultrasound, uh, tech coming in or, or vet coming into ultrasound just because of the, you know, the situation in which we have to, to sample those sheep. And if I'm not faster then it's probably equivalent speed, yeah. uh, cause it's less, I think it's less working, moving around, moving sheep around, having them in the right position for, you know, the person to, to get in there with the probe, uh, up in that, that rear flank. So, that being said, it's I don't know that one's better than the other. I think a lot of it has to come down, um, or a lot of it has to do with accessibility. Yeah, and maybe you would love to have ultrasounds done, but if you don't have anybody to do it, yeah, I spoke with a guy uh, I think last weekend, and uh, you know he was we were I was telling him about doing the blood test and he said oh I'd, I'd rather do the ultrasound i want to know how many's in there and so on and, and the guy only lives like 40 minutes away from me and i said oh i said well who do you get to do your ultrasound he goes oh i don't know anybody right and i'm right. thinking so your option is because you'd rather do the ultrasound and you can't find anybody you're just not going to preg check at all and that was basically his his whole theory and I'm like, no, it's, it costs me too much money to feed you all winter yep. long. Whether I'm feeding her hay or whether she's eating stockpiled grass, I'd rather have a pregnant you doing either one of those. And uh, if I got a you that I can't get bred, we've run into a few of those over the years. They, you know, 
They got to go to freezer camp. They can't right. stay here. No, it's. Uh, I think it's it's well worth doing. Just you know, from a management point of view. Um, now, if you were to get some fetal counts on those ewes, do you think your management would be different going into late gestation? You know, I think if there were. I I think probably the only thing I would do different is if there were triplets. Um, I, I can maybe if you just had singles instead of us feeding you know one pound of corn or oats per head per day that last you know forty days maybe we could get away with feeding a half a pound, but um, it's such a small number. For what we're doing, it's just a small number of use. I don't know that that expense is that big a deal. I mean, I'm a firm believer, you know, in not spending any more money than you absolutely have to, because that definitely is going to cut into your profit margin, but it's not like we're breaking the bank by feeding that that extra half pound. Right. So I, I kind of think we probably wouldn't change too much except for in the case where there were trips or, or more. Yeah, and with the triplets, I mean, you're already talking a small percentage of the total flock. Yes, right. So I would agree with you where if I can add some some concentrate, yeah. you know, some, some grains, some energy, protein supplementation, and maybe even improve the hay quality going into that, that 30 to 45 days pre-lambing, you know, the end of gestation – Try to set those use up for lactation with triplets, mm-hmm. and and this is something too. And I've had this discussion with some NSIP producers, and we're we're veering away from the the testing for pregnancy. But you're managing those triplets differently in in lactation. Those triplet bearing use in lactation, uh, I, I think there's enough data out there to say you know, the demand is great enough in those in those use to to pull off and change some of that management yeah in, in those situations but i mean it's that's a hard thing where where does the data collection fall and everybody on a even playing field um per, you know personally i think moving forward we'll probably sort off triplet bearing ewes and really hone in on marking those lambs with those ewes so that we can see when one starts lagging behind. Yeah. You know, if we have one that that needs some assistance, um, we catch it before it's too late. So I, I think you can do the same in the, in the ultrasounding aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, finding those ewes and really setting them up for success in late gestation yeah i agree i i think we we would probably do that um if nothing else you would just kind of maybe be keeping more of an eye on that use you didn't have to worry about uh oh what's that called where they're not getting enough yes yeah pregnancy toxemia any of that stuff so you you definitely want to be paying attention to all that um, then I think the the two times that we've had it was only with one U. Um, 
she had trips, dead trips the first time, and we managed to bring her back to life and keep her alive, only to have her have a set of quads and then die a week later. But, but yeah, I think in that situation, you know they're going to have trips. You're going to pay more attention to their diet and make sure they are getting what they need. Yeah, because I'd argue in, in our average production system, you know, we're feeding for the U with, with twins, at least yep. hopefully. We might be feeding for the U with with singles, so we're always shorting the the U with with three or more lambs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're feeding for the U with – we can't afford to feed for the U with three lambs across the flock, you know, right. without knowing what – what they're carrying. If I say, well, if everybody has triplets, at least they'll go into yeah. the lactation with some additional cover. Um, I would love to be able to do that. It's just, you know, a co- running the cost analysis on that's not a whole lot of, no, not a whole lot of fun, but, but yeah. So you're going to go try and find yourself an ultrasound. I don't think so. I'd, I'd like to find someone who does. Yeah. Right. I- right. It's, uh, we've, got it's ours, we've got ours scheduled for Thanksgiving week. We're going to see for the NSIP flock, and then um, going to try to do the the commercial use around the first of the year, I think. But we're going to see see how that goes. See if the fetal counts end up being where um, we need to be on an accuracy level, and and go from there. But and I think that would be our biggest issue because the way we breed, we want to know who's bred, who's not in a pretty tight window there because we've got another group that, you know, that's going to get bred and we want to be able to take those that are open and put in that, that second group. And if we had to wait till Thanksgiving week, um, we'd be way behind in breeding that second group. Right. And uh, so I think for us, that would that would play a lot into it. Unless it'd be the kind of thing where six months out, you schedule this and, you know, line your breeding up around it. But in our case, they'd have to come three times a year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. With the three, with the three different, you know, breeding groups we have. So, yeah. And most of those situations come with a mileage. Yeah. Fee. You know, costs associated with traveling to your location, uh, as they should. Yeah, like I said, I'd love to find someone, you know, fairly local that would come around and do it. Right. I don't know. Maybe we just need to, maybe we need to get a group of sheep producers together, hire some young person and say, here, we're going to buy you a machine and you're going to come around and do all ours. (laughs) Go learn how to do it. Then in the school somewhere and do something like that. Not a terrible idea. And I, it's funny you bring that up. I did just recently have a, a conversation with uh, a young lady that we used to sell some 4-H lambs to. And she's in a uh, in a course currently for uh, to be a sonographer. Okay. Yeah, someone who's yeah professional ultrasounder. I get. I don't know what the. Well, if you the know. term is if the term is stenographer, when you're she, not a stenographer, she's not a map maker. So, what is that? 
Stenog- is it stenography map making? That's what I thought as soon as you okay. said that. <laughs> no, she's just mapping the uterus is the, the extent okay. of her. So, she, that- so she, when she comes to your place, wouldn't she be stenogging then? <laughs> I, we'll just stick it with the ultrasounding. So, <laughs> we're out of our depth at this point, Tom. But, but well, she mentioned um, you know, an interest in in working her her day job, and then on weekends having her own machine to go around and, and yeah. ultrasound because she still enjoys agriculture. And yeah, enjoys well, I think that'd be great. And someone who knows the machine and knows what to look for. So yeah, I'd, I'd invest in somebody like that. That'd be fantastic. Right. So yeah. maybe we just need to get creative as as sheep producers. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, we're running up on our time here, Cam. It's been great discussing all this. And uh, so if you got any questions or uh, just comments, you can reach out to me at bigtomperkins at gmail.com. I've been a little slow getting back to some of these emails, but we've been trying to include them in the episodes. Um, There's a Facebook page called the Grazing Sheep Podcast. You can go on there, like and follow. You can leave comments and questions on there as well. So we thank you all for listening. And uh, we hope you're enjoying what we're doing. So it's been great catching up with you there, Cam. You too, Tom. All right, so we'll talk to you later. Bye.